friends, and welcome back to Mixology, the podcast where we discuss, discover, and dissect mono and stereo differences on classic albums from the 60s. And today, we're taking a look at our second Christmas album on the show, and my last album for 2021, A Christmas Gift For You from Philly's Records, or as it's more commonly known, Phil Spector's Christmas Album. Now this is obviously an album by various artists as it features four main artists, those being The Ronettes, The Crystals, Bobby Socks and the Blue Jeans and Darlene Love. And obviously all the wonderful backing here is provided by The Wrecking Crew. Now there's a few things we need to run through before we dig into the album proper. The first of these is that the original album was only released in mono in 1963 and this is the version of the album that you'll find online today. It was actually then remixed into stereo in, I believe, 1973 and was first issued in the UK on the Phil Spector International label, before then being the standard for a few years and then disappearing again once the CD era comes in, and as such has never actually been issued on CD. Thus, I've actually had to source the stereo mix today from my own Phil Spector International LP, and there is some wear and tear on the LP sonically, I think due to some pressing issues from the time, but certainly the overall difference in the mix does stand out, and I've used a couple of alternate sources for a couple of tracks and sections here and there just to highlight bits in a slightly more listenable fashion. But ultimately, what you will be hearing today is an exact representation of the mono mix, and the one stereo mix. The mono mix I'll also be taking from the late 80s CD issue. Now some people would argue this is not the best version of the album digitally or at least in mastering, but I do really like the tonality of it. It feels very Phil Spector and it was the one mastered by himself as part of the back to mono box set at the time and has a nice deep bass sound to it that I do really enjoy when it comes to that Phil Spector wall of sound production. I also want to run through a couple of things that generally are an overall difference, if you like, in the stereo mix. The first of these is the basic panning structure. Due to the three-track recording method used on the album, the stereo mix follows the general pattern of Wrecking Crew over in the left-hand channel, the lead vocals and most of the backing vocals in the center channel, and the strings and orchestration, and the odd extra piece of instrumentation and some backing vocals over in the right-hand channel. Many of the introductions to the tracks that were recorded separately are mixed slightly differently to this, and I'll go through these as we get to them, and some of these moments are real highlights on the album. The stereo as well is generally less impactful, as one might expect when one compares the two mixes, but it does have some moments that really shine. The strings especially are consistently louder in the stereo, apart from one or two exceptions for better and for worse, and certainly it helps one identify these parts much better than they can in the mono, where with the mud that they kind of gain in that mix they are very hard to make out, while in stereo they're shiny, clear and very easy to discern, and in a few instances crop up in places where they weren't in the mono. It's also possible that there's less echo present on the stereo mix. There's one instance where I've noted that this is definitely notable, but I think overall it could be that there is more echo in the mono, but it's hard to truly discern due to the very nature of the way the mono is mixed. But with all that out of the way, let's get ourselves right into the flavours day. I've got an original UK 1963 London Records pressing of this album, and the line notes on it are never reproduced on another LP since 
apart from obviously I believe maybe modern reissues and some CD versions but many people who have heard this album probably have never read these and it's certainly interesting to give it context. Line notes of course are written by Phil Spector, producer. Can 12 great Christmas songs be recorded in the style of today's pop material, sung by four of America's greatest pop artists, produced with the same exciting and original sound to be found on the hit singles of these artists, without losing the feeling and beauty which is to be found in such old favourites as Silent Night and White Christmas? We're quite sure that after listening to this album, you'll answer with an emphatic yes. But the treatment accorded these songs by each of these popular teenage stars not only moves, but is also handled with a true regard for the joyous season they commemorate. The Crystals, the Ronettes, Darlene Love and Bobby Socks and the Blue Jeans have all figured amongst the most popular recording stars of the past few years. Hardly a month passes without one or the other having a record in the hit parade, but this is the first time they have specifically recorded numbers for the festive season. Each artist sings several songs in their own inimitable style, and with the sound that made each of their records such a huge success. Because Christmas is so international, it is certainly in keeping that these youngsters should record their Christmas gift to you, for this album is produced solely with you in mind. It comes with a sincere wish that you understand and appreciate this endeavour in something new and different. I think Phil's line notes do give a lovely context to the album that's often forgotten today. This was a truly groundbreaking album in the world of pop music, as it's not something that truly been attempted in the Christmas season previously. All the songs are approached as singles, and that sound that is attributed to them is truly one that is designed to appeal to the pop market of the time, while still being, I guess, entertaining to all ages. It's one that is kind of lost when one looks back because it's such a Christmas classic now, but it's that approach that at some point this album was new and people had not heard it. And while it unfortunately did not sell as well as Phil hoped upon release due to the assassination of the president, it is certainly one that has sold very well over the years. The credits on the back are also very wonderful to read as it's certainly something that a number of albums had at the time but not that many and it certainly adds a nice flavour to music fans such as you and I. The credits, producer Phil Spector, arranger Jack Specks Nietzsche, engineer Larry Levine and studio Gold Star Recording Studio. Musicians, Horns, Teenage Steve Douglas, Jay Migliori, Ray Caton, Lou Blackberg, Guitars, Tom Arbuckle Tedesco, Bill Pittman, Irv Rubens and Nino Tempo. Pianos, Leon Russell, Don Randy, Al DeLore. Bass, Ray Pullman, Jimmy Bond. Drums, Hal Blaine. Percussion, Frank Cap, Sonny Bono, Jack Nietzsche and Strings, Johnny Feeder Strings. This has been quite the introduction, but I wanted to bring everything together as this is a real classic as far as Christmas albums go, and just albums in general, and I didn't want to skimp over any of the important details. But with all that out the way, let's dig right in to the first track on the album, the wonderful Darling Love number, White Christmas. Now, we have a nice difference right off the bat. If you listen in mono, you probably notice there are some hand claps going throughout the track. These are mixed in with the lead vocal track, panned in the center channel in stereo, and these actually enter in earlier in the stereo mix, as well as being far more audible and higher in the mix. In mono, they are faded up shortly before the lead vocal comes in, and while they are audible before Darling comes in, they're not audible from the very beginning like they are in stereo. 
Let's hear it first in stereo with the whole intro up till Darling comes in, and then again in mono where they'll be very hard to discern, and suddenly they'll just appear just before Darling enters. Again in mono. the main body of the track the two mixes are actually quite similar the strings as i said do stand out a little more and the vocal definitely sits a little higher relative to the mono and certainly this does bring the hand claps up as well but overall they're pretty close between each other we'll start with the mono and move graciously back into the stereo Up next we have the Ronettes with their first track, Frosty the Snowman. Now here is one where the orchestration in stereo really benefits from the separation. I love the way it sounds in the track and it really sparkles in stereo when compared with the mono and certainly is far more identifiable. Outside of that though the main body of the track is pretty close. We'll start with the mono and move into the stereo. And at the end of this track, we get a much longer fade in the mono. Naturally, we'll start with the stereo. Mono. Bobby Socks and the Blue Jeans come up for us now and the first thing that is quite notable is that the Bells intro if you like is totally absent in stereo. Let's hear the way the track starts in mono first and then again in the rather abrupt stereo.
and again in stereo. Once again, the vocal stands out more in stereo, where the lack of compression generally used on it certainly helps bring it out of the mud of the mono. The mono does, by comparison, sound pretty buried by comparison for a loss of the track. We'll start with the mono and bring things up into the stereo. To stereo. And again, we get a longer fade in mono, starting, of course, with the stereo. Mono. The Crystals enter the fray now with their wonderful version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Now the intro of the track, a bit more of a spoken word piece, cuts into the main body of the track faster in mono when compared with stereo. Let's hear that transition first in mono and then again in stereo where it hangs just a little longer. You better write your letter now and mail it right away because he's getting ready, his reindeers and his sleigh. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not cry. And again, in stereo. You better write your letter now and mail it right away because he's getting ready, his reindeers and his sleigh. You better watch out. During the saxophone solo in the track, there are some backing vocals in stereo that have been mixed out in the mono. They still remain in the track, but certainly are much more audible in stereo compared with the almost inaudible mono. We'll start with the mono and open them up into the stereo. Into mono. Just to highlight a section of the track for you, we'll start with the mono and open up into the stereo where I feel the strings really jump up in particular in this track. Into stereo. And then in the outro of the track, the backing vocals are mixed louder in stereo, and we also get a longer fade in mono. This time I will play the mono first with those quieter backing vocals, and then again in stereo with the shorter fade and the louder backing vocals.
and again in stereo. Probably the most classic and well-known of all tracks here, the Ronettes return now with Sleigh Ride. Now this is immediately different right off the bat, as the horse sound effects used in the intro and slightly at the end as well are louder in the stereo remix. Let's hear them first in mono and then again in stereo. And again in stereo. A really interesting difference here is that in the break before each verse starts, there are some extra strings in stereo that are muted in mono. You can actually hear them jump back in in the mono mix, and once you hear the edit there, or I guess fade up, you definitely can't unhear it. It's actually quite jarring and sloppy in the mono mix. We'll hear it first in stereo and then again in mono. And again in mono. During the solo section, the backing vocals are absent once again in the mono mix. We'll start with the stereo and move to the mono where these disappear. Into mono. Closing out side one is my personal favourite here, Darling Love's take on the wonderful Marshmallow World. First of all, the intro of the track is utterly glorious in stereo. Overall, the spread between channels is great, and I'm guessing that the strings were originally recorded on likely three track, and then mixed down to a single monophonic channel for the master, but as this section was then spliced onto the main body of the track, it was never mixed down to mono and the original multi-track is still around. This is actually quite interesting as it means the strings could be mixed into true stereo for the whole track if this multi does still exist. Though of course this stereo mix was done almost 50 years ago now so things can definitely have gone missing since then. However, while this is glorious, it is mixed far too loud compared to the main body of the track. As in mono, when that piano comes in, it's got so much energy and volume, while in stereo it's distant, muffled, and certainly lacks all the energy that the punchy mono has. Let's hear the intro of the track first in mono, going into that intro piano and the punch that it offers, and then again in stereo with the rather glorious intro, but then the rather pathetic piano introduction. again in stereo.
As for the main body of the track, the lead vocal in the stereo definitely rides way out on top, and due to the separation, the hand claps once again are much more audible in stereo when compared with the mono, though they are present in both. Let's hear a section of the track with the lead vocal first in mono, and we'll move up into the stereo. Stereo. The hand claps also are noticeably mixed differently in the break. They still remain in the track, but certainly are much more audible in stereo compared with the almost inaudible mono. We'll start with the mono and open them up into the stereo. Side 2 opens up with the Ronettes once again singing I Saw Mummy Kissing Santa Claus. Now the intro is quite noticeable here as in stereo we get not only the general sound being more spread in the stereo field but there's a fun use of panning on the kind of sound effect of Santa walking on the roof, coming in through the door, kissing mummy, and then leaving through the door. However, this is also encapsulated by a difference in the way this is edited onto the track. In stereo, it fades into the intro just a hair later, and the main track comes in after a longer pause. The mono as such has a slightly earlier fade up at the beginning and brings the main body of the track in much sooner. Let's hear the whole intro first in mono and then again in stereo. Again in stereo. Naturally, let's compare a section with the lead vocal now, starting with the mono and moving to the stereo where the usual traits are apparent, but nothing is too different between the two. Into stereo. And during the break, the backing vocals are buried, but definitely there in mono, but they're way out front in stereo. Let's start with the mono and bring them right up into stereo. Into 
Mesa Stereo. Crystals return now with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This is a track where I felt the strings were much more notable in stereo and compared with the mono, even more so than the rest of the album, and this does dramatically change the feel of the track. We'll start with the mono and move into the stereo. <laughs> And at the end, we get a nice longer fade in mono. Of course, we'll start with the stereo. Mono. Darlene Love returns now with Winter Wonderland and the strings here feel like they're actually at a similar level between the two mixes so the vocal is much more dynamic with clearly less compression used on it. Let's start with the track in mono and move out into the stereo. To stereo. Run away in the blue bird, in a stay in the new bird. You think the last song is we go along, walking in a winter wonderland. Once again, the hand claps in the break are much more apparent and louder in stereo. Starting with the mono and moving into the stereo. To stereo. And once again, a longer fade in mono. By now, you know the drill. Mono. The Crystals make their last appearance now with Parade of the Wooden Soldiers. And here I found that the stereo actually runs notably faster when compared with the mono. Let's hear a bit of the verse now, starting with the mono and then speeding up in the stereo.
Interestingly, during the Here They All Are, the vocals are clearly wetter in mono when compared with the stereo and do appear much more distant. We'll start with the mono and bring them right up into stereo. And again, a longer fade in mono. Mono. The other track that is definitely incredibly notable is the one original on the album, Christmas in brackets, Baby Please Come Home. Though it is noted as just Christmas on the front of the LP sleeve, which feels quite amusing, I have to say. A wonderful Spectre Greenwich Barry tune and sung amazingly, as always, by Darlene Love. Now here, the lead vocal is way out in front in the stereo when compared with the mono, and obviously you get the usual traits between the two mixes. We'll start with the mono and open up into the stereo. And a real treat is the much longer fade we get in the mono mix. We'll start with the stereo and move into the mono. Mono. A track that always felt a bit odd and tucked away at the end here is Bobby Sox and the Blue Jeans' track, Here Comes Santa Claus, originally a Gene Autry number. Now, I do enjoy this song, but certainly I think it should have come before Christmas and Christmas should have been a bit more of the grandiose closer by comparison. Overall, the two tracks are pretty similar, but the break into the solo sections with the bells are clearly much more compressed and have an extra echo highlighting these sleigh bells by comparison in the mono mix, whereas in the stereo, these are distant and way off down in the left-hand channel. We'll hear it first in stereo, going from one verse to the other, and then again in mono, where this is right up in the mix and in your face. And again in mono.
Let's just have an overall difference on the track, moving from the mono into the stereo. And at the end of the album here, we get Silent Night by Phil Spector and Arsis. This is always a bit of a strange one and one I think many people just ignore as it's a choir, I guess, singing Silent Night. I'm not sure who it is as it's not credited, but I'm pretty sure it's not the artist on the album as that seems highly unlikely. But it's narrated by Phil Spector giving thanks to all those listening to the album. While this is one that many people don't listen to, a thanks at the end of a Christmas album or at least a little spoken word piece is something that became gently commonplace. It appears on the Beach Boys Christmas album as one would expect Brian to do, and certainly there's other more modern Christmas albums that do a similar thing. Michael Bublé's album Christmas, for instance, ends with a rather brief Merry Christmas message right at the end, and while it's certainly not a big thanks, it's certainly, I guess, an element of this idea. Here, Phil's narration is actually processed properly as one would expect in mono, with a nice dose of, I guess, narration compression applied and a gentle echo to make it sit in with the choir. By comparison, the stereo has none of this. It's a real dynamic, shifting spoken word piece, I guess. It's utterly bone dry and it's way out in front. We'll start with the mono and move into the stereo. Hello, this is Phil Spector. It is so difficult at this time to say words that would express my feelings about the album to which you have just listened. An album that has been in the planning for many, many months. Into stereo. First, let me thank all the people who worked so hard with me in the production of this album and in my endeavor and desire to bring something new and different to the music of Christmas and to the recording industry, which is so much a part of my life. And with that slightly unique closing number completed there, we finished our look at this utterly iconic Christmas album from, well, Philly's Records, I suppose. This was an album that I was requested to do last year, actually, as a Christmas album, which I didn't actually think about doing for Christmas, strangely, until it was suggested by one of my listeners. And naturally, I started with the Beach Boys last year, but I was obviously going to move to this album this year as it's truly the most iconic of the lot from the 60s and certainly there's no others that stand anywhere near it as far as ones that have replayability and are heard as much today though of course there's a few singles from that period that we do here by comparison I have enjoyed the stereo mix far more than I thought actually it's certainly not perfect and certainly a great new pressing of it would be very much appreciated especially a digital copy that I think is strangely lacking in the modern world I understand why Phil might want to veto that though certainly now he hasn't exactly got the veto power on it but I guess there's not really the demand for it but certainly a number of these tracks really do shine in their stereo mix and would sound a lot better in certain situations Ultimately, the mono mix is iconic, it's fantastic in ways that a 60s recording truly is, and tracks like Marshmallow World are utter mono royalty. 
I think this is obviously an essential part of anyone's collection and truly if you can seek out an original 60s copy do it because it's such a piece of history and I really love having my UK London copy. The sound is actually pretty good and shines a little more than my Apple reissue from the late 60s or is it early 70s I'm not precisely sure. But with that rambling out of the way, obviously I want to say a huge thank you to you for listening to the show. I'm now going to be taking a little bit of a break until the new year as I customarily do around this time. Though if you want more content for both Mixology and Back to Mono, you can find it over at the Back to Mono Patreon at patreon.com forward slash back to mono. I've got a couple more shows coming out before the end of the year over there and there's a whole host of Mixology on 45 episodes over there for you to sink your teeth into as there's a couple of albums worth of material there now and obviously why wouldn't you want that? Beyond that though, as I said, you can support the show at Patreon, you can email me at backtomonoradio at gmail.com, you can hit me up on Instagram at hypnoticfred, and we've also got a Facebook group and some other bits and pieces down in the show notes below, along with links to everything else I've mentioned. But with all that said, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to you for listening to the show, supporting the show if you're over on Patreon. Have a wonderful, happy holidays and a fantastic new year, whatever you get up to. And remember, whoever you are and wherever you are, have a great, great day. (laughs) 